You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. I've I've been loving this new series that we've uh, had as a church called One Purpose and uh, all about the amazing opportunity uh, that we have to see people saved and uh, to see people encounter our God. And uh, I was really encouraged by Pastor Luke's word last week. Who was encouraged by that? And uh, where 80% of people uh, come to church because they're invited by somebody and the power of the invitation. Come on, what a challenge for us, you know, especially as we come around this time of Easter. I'm so pumped for Easter. I'm so pumped for our uh, Easter Easter morning production at 10 o'clock in the morning. We've been having rehearsals all week and it is amazing. It's going to go to another level from last year. And I really want us to be thinking about who are we inviting? Because I don't want a single person to miss out on it. It is going to be amazing. So let's be thinking, hey, and listening to God, who to invite, who to get there, because it is seriously going to be an amazing opportunity to invite people. And then we have Easter Sunday morning as well, uh, which is um, only on the Easter Sunday, we're only going to do a 10 a.m. service, not a 5 p.m. So uh, let's make sure we remember that next week. But why don't we take a moment, eh, just to pray about somebody to invite. Because come on, we need God's Spirit on this. So Lord, we just take this opportunity to come before You. God, I pray that You'd prompt us right now, that You would whisper. God, that You would speak about who to invite God, who to encourage to get to this production, to Easter Sunday. God, it's such an amazing time of year where people are open to the message of Easter. And God, I pray that we wouldn't take it for granted, but we would make the most of this opportunity. In Jesus' Name, everybody said... Amen. Hey, we're going to turn our attention to the screens and just watch some amazing testimonies of people and how they found Jesus. So why don't we watch this? I just said, you know, God, if you're real, you need to give me someone that shows me how to love you. That night I met a guy and he was really kind and friendly in my new hall. And we got talking and he asked me if I wanted to go to church with him. And in that moment... I just knew that Jesus is real. Sat there with my Bible and rattled off a list of complaints to God about why He couldn't be real. Just my life experience didn't match what people said about God. Every complaint I raised, He replaced with this, like, really, I have no words for, deep peace. So I was then in the service with all these youth that basically had something that I didn't have and um, through the worship and everything, um, and then the altar call, uh, I got saved. I was like really, really nervous and kind of, kind of scared. But right then and there when I was sitting down, I just thought, right, if this is really you, get someone to take me by the hand. As soon as I finished saying that, I just saw this hand go in front of me, and the guy that had invited me was just standing there, reached out his hand, come on, I'll take you up. And, that was, and that's how I met the Lord. Amazing. The power of the Holy Spirit, eh? Speaking to somebody. You know, you think about that last story there. 
the guy that, his friend that invited him, the power of the invite again, but he extended his hand. He was listening to the Holy Spirit in that moment. And amazing how much our God uses us, that if we just be vessels for the Holy Spirit to move on, wow, the change that could take place in people's lives. So I, you know, sometimes we, this whole series that we're doing is about reaching people that don't know Jesus, that don't know our God. And sometimes we can hype it up and hype ourselves up to do this thing. But it's very simple. It's simply a step of obeying Him. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us going, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm here to be used by you and I'm going to obey what you're saying to me. And uh, it's, it's such a simple and beautiful thing, but we can complicate it in such an amazing way. I love what Philippians 2 verse 12 to 13 says, what I'm getting at friends is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. This is obviously the Apostle Paul talking to the Philippians and he says, when I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you. God Himself willing and working and will will give Him the most pleasure. Isn't that amazing? We have the living God working through us. Come on, we can get so familiar that our journey as Christians is knowing Jesus. It's not just knowing Him, it's having His presence flow through us and live on the inside of us. How amazing is that? Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second guessing allowed. Go into the world uncorrupted. A breath of fresh air in the squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night so that I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ's return. You'll be living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. I love that passage because the Apostle Paul's like, come on, guys, you're not in this on your own. You're not doing this because you're a good person. You're doing it because the living God is on the inside of you. And I love that about that passage. Come on, we're not on our own. We're doing this in partnership with the Holy Spirit, with the God that is with us. No, Pastor Craig, when he was speaking a, a few weeks ago, shared the story of how we met in a hostel when we were just 18 years old. And through our friendship, I just invited him to church and he ended up getting saved that Sunday. And, you know, he is, he's lovely. He's my husband. So he has to be really nice to me and uh, doesn't have to be, but he is really nice to me. And he's my biggest fan, which is awesome. I'm his biggest fan too. But he'll talk about how, you know, I was so great in that moment, but I, I wasn't. I was just I was just me. There was nothing special about it. We became friends and I just simply listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit and invited him to church. I still remember us sitting in church together and uh and then Craig running down the front and I was almost shocked, surprised, like, wow, it's that easy, but it's God moving. We are the ones that throw out the seed and God is entrusted to bring the harvest. But we can make it so uh, complex when really it's so easy. See, it's simply about listening to God's voice, but I find the challenge can be actually in hearing it. The challenge can be in hearing His voice. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to a passage in 1 Kings 19, verse 11 to 13. And it's the story of Elijah. He's just had this major victory where all these prophets of Baal have been slaughtered. And uh, this queen is after him, though, and he runs in terror from this queen. And the Lord appears to him and and says, my presence is going to meet you. So the Lord says, 
This is from verse 11. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then it says, Then a great and mighty wind tore the mountains apart. Come on, how powerful is our God? It tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? No, the amazing thing is that we have this incredible God that is all powerful. This God that can tear mountains apart. This God that can send earthquakes and fire. But He doesn't reveal Himself in those things. He reveals Himself in the whisper. And I've often struggled with God with this. You know, I'm like, God, You are so mighty, so powerful. Like, why don't You come and just reveal Yourself to the world in Your total might and Your absolute sovereignty? Why don't You reveal Yourself like that? And I felt God say to me, it's because in the whisper, there is a lean-in. In the whisper, there's a lean-in. And God is looking for those that will lean in. He's looking for those that are hungry. He's looking for those that are wanting to hear His voice. You know, the beautiful part of that passage with Elijah is, Elijah hid in the cave with the earthquake, with the fire, but he came out of the cave at the whisper. He leaned in at the whisper. My children whisper to me a little secret they want to tell me. I lean in to them. There's a lean in in the whisper. And God is looking for our lean in. Would we lean in to the whisper? I've found in my life, there have been so many times when God has spoken in the form of a whisper. And there's so many times, you know, meet with that person, hang out with that person, speak life to that person. Spend time with that person. Get to know that person. You know, being at school with some of Zahn's um, friends' mums and just knowing, he, he just points out particular people. Spend time with them. Hang out with them. I'm doing something in their life and you hear the whisper. There's been other times where, remember when we first moved here and we'd sold our home in New Zealand and we were looking for a home here and we were just looking for a place to rent. And I remember driving down this road. They had a rental that we were looking at. And we were looking at and just passing a block of land that was free. And there was this little wee sign at the, this block of land. And I remember the whisper, check that out. Checked it out. Two days later, we got a steal on this block of land. And we ended up building our home there. It was just the whisper. Uh, about 18 months ago. I felt the whisper of the Holy Spirit to go get my moles checked and went to the doctor and they found a basal cell mole. And, and so the doctor said to me, we're going to have to operate. It's not that serious, but we need to take it, take it out. And as they were operating in it, there was another mole directly right beside it that they went around as well. When they did their test, the doctor came back to me and just said, hey, the mole that was next to it was actually a melanoma. And I didn't pick it, but we accidentally took it out. And uh, you just, the amazing power of the whisper. You know, our God is a God that wants to whisper to us, that wants to lead us. He wants to lead us to a life of influence. 
to a life where we impact others, to a life where we see the gospel of Jesus Christ laid out before our friends in a relevant way, not a weird spiritual way, but a way that makes sense to people. And He'll often prompt us with a whisper. He'll prompt us with that beautiful whisper of His. I love the story that Bill Hybels speaks about and He's an amazing pastor in the States. It's one of the most influential churches in the States, and it's known around the world. And he speaks about being a seven-year-old boy, and his school teacher at that time shared the story of Samuel hearing God's voice to all the class. And if you know the Bible story, it's this little boy, Samuel, who hears God's voice and says to him, Speak, Lord, I'm listening. And then he ends up being an amazing judge of all God's people because he listens to God's voice and obeys. And this, uh, Bill Hybels, as a seven-year-old boy, goes to his teacher and he says, you know, miss, is it still possible for God to speak to little boys today? She looked him in the eye and said, absolutely, God still speaks. And she gave him this poem. And this poem goes like this. Oh, give me Samuel's ear, an open ear, O oh Lord, alive and quick to hear each whisper of thy word. Like him to answer to thy call and to obey thee first of all. And Bill Hybels ended up committing that prayer to memory and praying it tens of thousands of times over his life. And he talks about in a book of his how he's seen God do miraculous things based on the whisper. Are we leaning into the whisper? Are we leaning into that voice of our God? The whisper, because he's looking for our lean-in. Are we leaning into the whisper? Now, what I find often in life, though, is the whisper can be very easily drowned out by the noises all around us. There is so much going on around us in our world today, so much noise. And in all that noise, the noise of stuff even going on in our head, it can be very easy for us to lose the whisper. So I want to speak very quickly today about... Uh, what noises drown out the whisper? And the first of those is the noise of man. If I can have it, team, that would be fantastic. (laughs) What will they think of me? Will they think I'm different? Will they still treat me the same? Will I still fit in? Will they think I've gone strange? Will they think I'm religious? Will they think I'll judge them? Do I even make sense? What if I don't know the answer? That noise goes on in so many of our heads. Goes on around us all the time. Like, man, if I step out, what are they going to think? If I do this, will I be seen as a weirdo? Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? That fear of man can rob us so much. That fear of man, am I going to lose all my friends because I step out in this way? What, is it even going to make sense? Am I going to be judgmental? All those thoughts can rob us of stepping out and leaning into the whisper. See, the Bible describes the fear of man as being a trap, a snare. What does a snare do? It holds us captive. It holds us stagnant. It limits us, contains us. 
And that's exactly what fear of man does in our lives. It holds us captive, contains us, and limits us. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do in our lives. He wants to hold the message that we have, the light that we have, the love that we have. He wants us to be trapped in it so we can't feel like we are free to express who our God is. But come on, we've got to get past that. See, when you lean into the whisper, when you lean into His whisper, when you choose to tune into His whisper above the fear of man, above the noise of the opinion of others, it's amazing the courage that He gives you. It's amazing what we can step into when we press past the fear of man and step into this healthy respect of who our God is as well by choosing to tune in to the whisper. See, it's amazing if we think about it, the fear of man is crazy. It's living your life bound by the opinion of someone at the same level as you rather than living for the opinion of one that is far greater. See, we allow people to direct our steps rather than the one that sees the whole path. The blind end up leading us who have sight. The lost end up leading the saved. And the bound end up leading the freed. Come on, we've got to press past this fear of man. And we've got to make sure that our fear, this respect of who our God is, that His opinion matters far more than the opinion of people. And I've got to get myself out of this all the time. When I go to please people, to submit to people's expectations, I've got to go, no, 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 no. That's not how I want to live my life. I want to live my life pleasing you, Jesus. That your opinion matters more. that, I'm going to lean into your whisper. I'm going to tune into your whisper, what you're telling me to do above all the noise around me. That noise is still going on. It's still there, but I'm choosing to tune into your whisper instead. We've got to make that choice to press past that natural fear of man and respect our God and who He has called us to be, what He's called us to step into. I love what Matthew 8 verse 28 says, What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Come on, it's harsh, but it's in the Bible. Come on, let's be afraid of the one that can actually do something with our souls. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Come on, he loves us. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Come on, imagine how different our lives would look if we live based on what our God said rather than what people thought of us. How much more freedom would we have? When I looked at my little girl, Hope is just four. On Monday, we were at a cafe with Pastor Luke and Missy hanging out together, and Hope started the meal with us. And then she found some little girls uh, at the cafe as well. And then the next thing, she's taking her meal from our table onto their table. She's introducing herself to the entire table and hanging out with them and having convos. And when we left an hour later, it's big hugs all around. See ya. She's made these amazing friends. We go to Fed Square. She's making friends with all the other little girls there as well. And there is not a thought in her head of what will they think of me. There is this, her whole agenda is just, I want to be their friend. And because of that, there is such, I watched her, there was such freedom there. But we get bound by all this other stuff. Come on, we're going to get free of that. We're going to be there to make friends with people, to love people, to have conversations with people because of His love th- flowing through us, because we're tuning into His whisper. 
We're going to show quickly this life story video uh, of an amazing story of a guy. And uh, so why don't you turn your attention to the screens? My journey started with being baptised as a Catholic, but not truly understanding or believing, and I guess that was religion then. My brother got killed in an accident. He was 29 years old. Four or five months later, my mother died of cancer. So I guess I was crying out to God and just didn't really hear anything. And so I think I dived more into scepticism and. My wife's always had an amazing faith and I just pushed against it. I was in the corporate world and working, you know, just crazy hours and that that probably didn't help our relationship and then over a period of time our relationship slowly dissolved and I was the cause of us breaking up after sort of 43 years of marriage. I told Donna to go, um, so she, she went. She engaged the lawyer, so it was getting to the point of going legal, and it was, it was challenging for both of us. I think I reached rock bottom. I was drinking a fair bit. I don't know what I was looking for. Maybe I was looking for something else and found um, another woman online, met a couple of times, just had a chat. It wasn't until we went to dinner that uh, she told me that she was a Christian. I sort of didn't know what to think, but I guess, you know, I thought she was a nice lady and she said to me, you know, would you like to come to church? And my first reaction was no. <laughs> I said, no, I don't want to come to church. I don't think I need that. She said, well, what's what's the harm in coming to church? And I said, well, I just don't want to. Anyway, she, she talked me into it and um, I walked into church at the time, I didn't realise it, but now that I understand it more, I think God or the Holy Spirit touched my heart immensely um, because that's, I think that's how the emotions come out. You know, just comfort and relief in some respects too. And that night I found myself praying um, and asking God to help me. I just felt this need to talk to Donna again. And as it turned out, when I did send Don's a text and I said, you know, I, I don't think I can live my life without you. She said she'd been walking on the beach and ever since we split up, she'd been praying for me. So I think there's, there's proof that prayer works, that God was working for us to get back together. I'm 67 this year. You know, you're never too old to do anything, you know, and that's my, been my approach in life. And so you're never too old to trust in Jesus and put your faith out there because it was the best thing that's ever happened to me. How amazing is that, eh? An amazing story. So cool, eh? Online evangelism. <laughs> when I was watching that video for the first time, I was like, okay, where's this going online? And, uh, but that lady had another agenda. Um, but I loved how she pushed. You know, he's like, nah, I don't need church, because he had a perception in his head of what church was. But she kept pushing. Come on, we've got to keep pressing with people because people have a perception of what church is, what God is, and we get to be the ones that introduce them to the truth. So we can't be afraid to, to not do the 
sorry, not be afraid to do the press because it's in the press that people see our conviction. The second thing is the noise of our agenda. I have so many things to do today. I don't have time to stop. I don't have time to go out of my way. I'm living life maxed out. I'm so busy. I need to meet that deadline. I don't feel like talking to others today. I just need more time. I'm tired. Our lives can be filled with so many eyes. <laughs> so many, I need to do this. I need to do that. This is what I need to do today. And it's amazing how much our lives are run by our agenda, by what we think we need to do, by what we think matters. But I know in my life, what I think matters is often so temporary. And what I think matters often is not really building anywhere. It's making me feel great in a moment. But does it really matter for eternity? Does it really matter beyond my life? And that's the importance of, again, choosing to tune in to to the whisper, tuning in to God's voice because He sees all of eternity. He sees the bigger picture. He sees it all. He has the bigger picture in mind. So when we choose to tune in to the whisper, we're going, hey, God, I'm choosing to tune in to what you see. Yeah, because often what we see is just the face value of what people present when our God sees the hard issues. So we've got to trust Him in the whisper. We've got to trust Him with what He's telling us, even about how to come alongside people. And it means that we tune in to what matters for eternity. We lean into the whisper. I love what C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity says. He says this, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they've become so ineffective in this. What a challenge. Come on, how, when we, if you thought about it, how much of the life that you live today is about the other world? Is about this life that we're about to go into that's for eternity. Come on, in James 4, verse 13 to 17, it says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. Come on, we are a mist. We are a vapor. When we tune into God's whisper, we tune into what He wants to say when He sees the, sees the bigger plan. Because it's our obedience to Him that unlocks His will on this earth. I love what Matthew 12 says. While Jesus was talking to the crowd, his brothers and sisters show up and they're like, hey, Jesus, we want a little bit of time with you. And he doesn't even respond directly to them. (laughs) He doesn't even respond to them, but he says to everybody else, who do you think my brother and sisters are? He then stretched out his hand towards his disciples. Look closely, these are my brother and sisters. Obedience is thicker than blood. The person who obeys my heavenly Father's will is like my brother and sister and mother. 
And I've always thought that passage was a little harsh. It's like, Jesus, come on, give your family some respect. But that's how much obedience matters to our God, that it is thicker than blood. Come on, where is family when we choose to obey Him? Come on, it's like the Bible says as well, if you love me, you'll obey me. How much are we living in obedience to Him? How much are we leaning into the whisper and then obeying? Or how much have we just tuned the whisper out because we haven't listened to it? It's like, I don't really want to listen to that whisper. I don't really want to obey. I want to do my thing thing, not God's thing, and we just choose to tune out the whisper. Mom, we've got to be challenged by this. How much are we obeying the whisper? Remember, before we moved to Melbourne, uh, it was a few months before we moved, and oh, we were in a conference together, and I was in an altar call, and I remember having this moment with God and going, just this struggle going on, because we knew we were going to Melbourne at that stage, and everything that we were leaving at that time. I remember saying to God, why does it have to be such a sacrifice? You know, why does it have to, why do we have to give that much? Why does it have to be this leaving our home and moving to Melbourne? And I remember God speaking so clearly to me and saying, I'm not interested in your comfort. I'm interested in your obedience. He's interested in our obedience because he sees the bigger picture. His ways are far higher than our ways. His thoughts are far greater. And he sees far beyond what we see. We see so limited and contained. We see based on our comfort. He sees based on, hey, this is who it's going to impact. This is what matters beyond our little comfort zone. I love what Acts 21 verse 12 to 13 says. And again, it's talking about Paul and he's with the other Christians at that time. And when they've heard heard a vision that Paul is going to go to Jerusalem and receive a lot of hardship. And it says, when they heard that, everyone begged Paul not to be stubborn and persist in going to Jerusalem. But Paul wouldn't budge. He said, why all this hysteria? Why do you insist on making a scene and making it even harder for me? You're looking at this backward. The issue in Jerusalem is not what they do to me, whether arrest or murder, but what the Master Jesus does through my obedience. Can't you see that? What a way of looking at things where it's not about whether I get murdered. It's not about whether what happens to me, whether I get whipped or put in prison. It's not about that. It's about what Jesus can do through me. Come on, imagine if we had that level of obedience, that level of God. It's not about what happens to me. It's all about what you can do through me. Come on, what an amazing statement. What an amazing life to live. Incredible. And I found that there is nothing Obviously, after making the decision to move here to to Melbourne, it's been amazing. And there is nothing like living in obedience. There is nothing like living in His will. It goes beyond any comfort, any family, any friends, the amazing sense of living in His will. And we've got to make sure we, instead of pursuing our agenda, we're pursuing His. Come on, how much in our day-to-day are we pursuing His agenda? Come on, we're going to be challenged by this because so much of our Christianity begin be sitting in our little comfy couch. Hey, I know Jesus. I have freedom. I have hope. I have peace. I've got it all sorted. I've got this going on. And God's like, hello, look at everybody else around you. I've positioned you at this time for this place to be me to this world. Get off your chaff and do something about it. Come on, we're going to get passionate about this. Not just live our Christianity comfy but be stirred up by what we can give. 
I mean, even Hope's party, we had Hope's party yesterday and it was just madness. You know, 20 little four and five-year-olds and it was insane. But, you know, even with her party, she's thinking I'm doing a great party for her, which I was. But I'm thinking the whole time, hey, how can this be intentional about reaching people? Who do I need to invite from her kindy? It wasn't financially good for us. It would have been financially good just to do 10 or so kids. But I wanted to invite everyone I possibly could because of the connections that could be made with people. Because that's what mattered in it. Not my little girl getting all these gifts, even more toys than she needed. No, it's got to matter for eternity. Come on, how much of our day-to-day matters for eternity? Because every moment we can make it count for something. Even when you're waiting in the line for coffee, why don't you, uh, you know, pay for somebody else's coffee? Just do something out of the box. Come on, do we see with those eyes? Or do we see our little world, our little comfort? Or are we leaning into His whisper? Because His whisper reveals what we can be part of in the lives of others. Come on, let's not do the comfy Christian thing. Hallelujah, praise Jesus, all of that, but we don't live it out in our everyday. (laughs) The third thing is the noise of our issues. No one notices me. Nobody even cares. Do I even have a purpose? I feel like I've got nothing to offer. I've got nothing to say. Every time I do, it fails. I've got to protect myself, help others. Someone should be helping me. Come on, we've all got issues. We've all got things that we've been through. And those things can define us if we're not careful. Those things, when we magnify them, can end up paralyzing us. And we think that our lot in life is just determined by those things. But you were born a child of God. You were set apart for a specific plan and purpose, the Bible says. And even though stuff happens to us in life, it doesn't have to attach itself to us. It doesn't have to define us. Instead, we go back to our our purpose, our intent was who our Creator called us to be. And that was to be His child, a living representation of Him. And we've got to make sure that we go back to that. That we don't get caught up in all the issues, all the me stuff. Because it just drowns us. It just drowns you when you get so consumed with self. You just end up walking in circles where there's no way out of it. Come on, I've worked in social work for years. And that's what people do. They just get so consumed with their issues that they're just going round and round. I'm really dizzy. Going round and round with their issues. Come on, we've got to live for a greater purpose. One of the main things in overcoming issues in our life is living for something greater. Come on, we've got to live for a greater cause. When we tune into the whisper, we tune into who our God says about us. Is my hair all over the place? <laughs> we, t- we tune in to who He says you are. We tune into His plan. We tune into the fact that even though that bad stuff happens to you, He will turn it to good. We tune into the fact that He has a plan and a purpose for you, a hope for you. We tune into the fact that we are more than conquerors through Him. We tune into the fact that we are loved by Him and because I'm loved by Him, I don't care what people think. We tune into the fact that He has called me to be a redemptive force here on this planet. We tune into the fact that I'm called to victory in everything that I do, that I have the living hope on the inside of me, that I am the light of the world. Come on, we tune into all those things when we tune into the whisper. But are we tuning into the whisper? Are we getting caught up in all our own issues? Come on, we've got to get past our stuff to be part of something far greater. 
You know, so often our issues can be the thing that we think will hinder us, will stop us being used by God. But often it's those very issues that he uses to make us an influence for his good. I grew up in a household with a mum and dad that just loved us, adored us, amazing parents. But they were both from very broken backgrounds. My dad was a product of rape and he was abused as a child and cast off by all of society. He was the only kid in his school that didn't have a dad. He was a very broken man and mum was from a very broken past too, very alcoholic family, abusive family. But they both found Jesus when they were 18 and they made a decision to pursue him with everything. And they made a decision that their past wouldn't define them, that God had a hope and a purpose for them. And they chose to tune into his whisper instead of the noise going on around them. And my dad talks about how when he struggled to, uh, to, to be a dad when my brother Brad was born, and he, he, was, he, how he says he held his baby boy in his arms and he, he said to God, I've, I've never known a father. How am I going to be a father to this little boy when I've never known what a father is? And he got down on his knees before God and he cried out to God and he said, I've never known what a father is. Would you show me how to be a father? And a counsellor said to him one day, I don't know how you've been the, the dad that you have been when you've never known the example of fatherhood. And it's because of that moment. God turned his weakness into a strength. Come on, God wants to take our weaknesses and make them into something strong. God wants to take our weaknesses, our issues, and make them a pathway for others to find him. Come on, would we surrender our issues to him? Would we surrender our weakness to him? Peter, if you can join me, please, because it's in the whisper that we find our purpose. It's in the whisper that we find our fulfillment. It's in the whisper that we find that sense of, man, completeness of this matters. This makes sense. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.